great song to sing in light of the series that we're in presently. Just a great source of confidence and strength and courage as we consider that uh, what Christ can do for us. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This morning we'll be completing a three-part mini-series of messages based on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. The title of this mini-series has been Standing Firm on the Spiritual Battlefield. You see, the Apostle Paul wants us to understand that this spiritual battlefield is not some kind of optional activity. It's not like an after-school program or an extracurricular activity for super-Christians. The moment I recognized that I was a sinner, asked God to forgive me for my sins, and by faith began trusting Jesus Christ alone for my salvation, at that very moment, not only did I receive eternal life, but I found myself on the spiritual battlefield. And so do you. You see, when we become Christians, we switch teams. We go from being a child of the devil, or sorry, we go from being a child of the devil and an enemy of God to becoming a child of God and an enemy of the devil. And there is no middle ground or exceptions. It is either one or the other. And there are only two teams. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus has just cast the demon from a man who could not speak. The Pharisees, who were the Judaism's spiritual watchdogs or or law enforcement officers of the day came and uh, accused Jesus of getting his power from the prince of demons. It's interesting, Jesus, in his response, included this statement. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You see that line in the sand? You're either with him or you are against him. There is no middle ground. And the good news is, for those of us who've responded and are believing by faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, we are fighting on the winning team. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, defeated Satan and his allies. They are fighting a losing battle. And yet they remain formidable opponents. We dare not ignore or underestimate them. They are, although the two thousand, almost 2,000 years ago now, they were served their defeat, they continue 
to disrupt and de derail the plan, do all that they can to disrupt and derail the plans and purpose of, of God in this world. And even more specific, in your life and in mine. Both on an individual basis and collectively as well. And so, beloved, that is why the Apostle Paul, in the closing paragraphs of his letter to the Ephesians, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, wrote these words. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you're able, for the reading of the Scriptures this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, we'll read through to the end of verse 20. Allow me to read them for you. Beginning at verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Father, in your words, you have disclosed yourself as the Lord God Almighty, the God of heaven's armies. Surely nothing is too difficult for you. We have come and gathered in your name to first and foremost worship you, to celebrate you, and to edify one another, to spur one another on so that we'll leave this place better equipped to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel, as your ambassadors. May this be a time when we catch a fresh glimpse of your strength and power as we sing our songs of praise and pray our prayers of dependence on you. For apart from you, we can do nothing, nothing that will please you and count for all eternity. 
So now, as we look to your word, we are reminded of what you said through the prophet Isaiah. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. And so, Father, we pause to invite you to speak into our lives through these ancient words, preserved supernaturally down through the ages for our benefit. Teach us, we pray, and prevent us from being hearers only. May we live lives of obedience as an expression of our love and gratitude for all that you have done for us. Father, you have made it possible May we now do our part so that we will be found standing firm on the spiritual battlefield. For your glory and our good, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So standing firm on the spiritual battlefield. Let's do a little bit of review. The reason I've slowed this to a snail's pace as we're going through these final verses of Ephesians is because I think there's never been a time in our lifetimes where this topic has been more relevant. And all the indicators, here in North America at least, seem to indicate or would suggest that it's going to become increasingly so in the days and years ahead. Folks, we, we've enjoyed living in the midst of such prosperity and comfort that in some ways the evangelical church, I think, has been lulled to sleep. We need to hear and act on what the Apostle Paul is saying here in these final verses, with a renewed sense of urgency. The first message of this three-part mini-series, you may recall, based on verses 10 to 13, we were introduced to this spiritual battle in which we are now engaged. Notice verse 12 again. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we may not be able to see this this battle in which we're engaged with our physical eyes. We can certainly see the casualties of such a battle all around us. Broken toys, shattered dreams, and wounded hearts. I think it's significant that the Apostle Paul introduced this topic with these words in verse 10. Did you notice? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. That's what we just sang about. It's His might. You see, it is God who enables us to stand firm on the spiritual battlefield with His power. His provision, His perspective, and His providential care. 
If you were to ask me, and I'm going to say it anyway, even if you don't ask me, I think the implication or application of this verse might be, or these verses, this first section might be something similar to what we may have heard when we were teenagers. I think I can hear my mom's voice ringing in my ears. Wake up! Do you have any idea what time it is? You're going to be late. Get dressed. Two weeks ago, we looked at this whole topic of being dressed in the full armor of God in verses 14 to 17. And we started the message with a thesis statement. The full armor of God enables believers to ready themselves, important phrase, to ready themselves to stand firm with confidence and courage on the spiritual battlefield. Don't miss that phrase, to ready themselves. Again, God has done his part. Now it's up to us. The ball is in our court, so to speak. Remember the two imperatives that I suggested we underline or highlight in these verses? Stand firm in verse 14 and take in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I suggested that taking the helmet of salvation was not an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or begin trusting him alone for our salvation. And I said that based on chapter 1, verse 1, where we find that the Apostle Paul addressed this letter to the saints who were at Ephesus. In other words, to the believers who were in the city of Ephesus. So Paul is clearly not asking them to become believers, but to take the assurance of their salvation as protection, like headgear, onto the battlefield. Which I refer to in this thesis statement as confidence. Based on what God has done, is doing, and will do in and through your life. This is not a, a confidence based on our abilities, but what he will do in and through our lives. It is the conviction that comes with knowing that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God so that you may know, so that you may have the conviction that you have eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. Take that kind of confidence or conviction onto the spiritual battlefield. And secondly, take 
the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword, the written, objective, authoritative Word of God. Think of Jesus just prior to launching his public ministry. Now keep your finger in Ephesians chapter 6 and then turn back with me to to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. I bet he did. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil now tried to employ Jesus' strategy by using, it is written. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. You and I have that same access to the sword of the Spirit that Jesus wielded in Matthew chapter 14. We too can wield that same sword. It is written. It is written. It is written. Both Old Testament and New Testament. And Satan and his allies will be forced to retreat. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. I mentioned earlier that take is the imperative here. It is a command. Paul is giving a direct order. And once we are standing firm, half-dressed, so to speak, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In other words, be confident and courage on the spiritual battlefield. 
But how exactly do we take up or take that sword and helmet? Is it enough to tell someone to be confident and courageous and then just kind of shove them out the door onto the spiritual battlefield? I suppose that could be enough. But the Apostle Paul does not leave it there. In fact, in the verses that we want to focus on this morning, he goes on to give us two more instructive words in verse 18 that we want to focus on. The two words in verse 18 that you may want to underline or circle or highlight are pray and be on the alert is how it's translated in the New American Standard Bible. In the original language, they are participles, not verbs, and are being used to describe the manner in which we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. They are modifying that imperative, take. They're instructing us how to preserve and promote this confidence and courage while heading out on the spiritual battlefield. The Apostle Paul is not just standing in the bleachers or along the sideline yelling, be confident and courageous. Be confident and courageous. Be confident and courageous. He's not doing that. Rather, he, he gives us a couple of exercises that will enable us to develop the right approach, attitude, or dispositions so that we can maintain a good grip on confidence and courage while heading out onto the spiritual battlefield. Have you ever reached out to shake someone's hand and they catch you by the end of the fingers? I always find that really awkward. You know, you reach out and they just start shaking you kind of sit there. <laughs> like a de- like the dead fish. I have a brother-in-law that weighs in, well, in high school he wrestled unlimited, so he was over, he was about 6'3", over 220 pounds at that time. Now he's larger, much larger. But when I shake past hand, like my fingers go about halfway across his palm. I feel like a, a four-year-old when I'm shaking Pat's hand. The Apostle Paul is aiming to help us to establish a firm grip on confidence and courage as we engage in this spiritual battle. Look at the beginning of verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray. There's our first highlighted word, pray. In other words, prayerfully take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Disposition number one. It has to be pray, prayerfulness. Be prayerful. It seems like 
to me as I read these verses 18 through 20 that prayer just permeates all three verses. Perhaps it's because of the first five words of verse 18 in the New American Standard Bible. It reads, with all prayer and petition, pray. Later in the same verse it says, petition for all the saints. Verse 19 begins with, pray on my behalf. And verse 20 in the New International Version and the New Living Translation, it repeats the same appeal. Pray. Be prayerful as you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Prayer will promote and preserve your confidence and courage. And notice the additional instruction that we have regarding prayer in these verses. I've listed five qualities of prayer. Number one, pray with all kinds of prayer. Verse 17, in the, again, in the NASB reads, With all prayer and petition, pray. Pray is the general expression. The act of praying, if you will. Petition is referring to the specific prayer request. The words themselves that we pray. The NIV Bible reads, with all kinds of prayers and requests. So what's that suggesting? There is no one kind fits all prayer. There's not a template that we insert the request into each time we approach. The Lord's Prayer presents a model, but it's not the template. All kinds of prayer are acceptable. Short prayers, long prayers, conversational, written, spontaneous. Prayers we sing, recite, read, speak, shout, silent or loud. Adult prayers are the prayers of a child. Sometimes, in fact, Jesus seems to encourage at one point that we need to learn to express our faith as children do. Our posture in prayer is irrelevant. Pray for health, safety, protection, for traveling mercies, for this food for which we are about to eat. Just pray. Praying will preserve and promote our confidence and courage on the battlefield. Pray all kinds of prayers. And secondly, pray all the time. Look at the next phrase, verse 17. At all times, morning, noon, and night. Not just on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock in the back foyer area of the worship center. Not online or just here at the church facilities. Although I do want to encourage you to participate in our, our corporate worships expressions, whether online or here at the church facilities. Make it part of your week, weekly schedule. It's a way of building up, preserving, promoting our, our confidence and our courage. Don't allow this spiritual exercise to become 
exclusive to your own personal devotions or time alone with God. Or just something that you do before you eat. Neither is it to be used as kind of the the last resort. When all else fails, let's pray. But all the time, on all occasions, pray. In fact, the Apostle Paul says as much in his closing paragraphs of his letter to the Thessalonians, Included in a list of commands are these words. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. How does one pray without ceasing? I think it's by developing an awareness of God of his inescapable presence, so that prayer becomes as commonplace as taking your next breath, engaging in a conversation with a workmate that is working on the same project as you. We don't find it hard to converse with them, usually. Beloved, I confess that that I've not mastered this by any way, shape, or form. But listen as I read from a a little classic book titled Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's written back in the 1600s. He wrote, The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, he actually wanted to entered the clergy, but instead ended up in the kitchen of a monastery for most of his life. While several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in his great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. In other words, in the clanging and clutter of his kitchen, with people calling out for his attention. He has the sense of God involved in his life as he would if he were about to take, participate in the Lord's Supper. Can you imagine? Pray all the time will preserve and promote our confidence on the spiritual battlefield. Pray at all kinds of prayers. Pray all the time. And pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Jude, verse 20, we find a similar statement. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, That same phrase in the New Living Translation reads, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the Apostle Paul was encouraging his readers to pray, relying on the indwelling Spirit to influence what they were about to say or what they were going to leave unsaid. 
Bill Bright's famous quote comes to mind. Successful witnessing, proclaiming the gospel, is taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Spirit and then leaving the results up to God. Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. Maybe what the Apostle Paul is alluding to here. Praying that way in the Spirit will give us confidence and courage on the spiritual battlefield. You may have noticed that I sometimes close a time of prayer with a thought that goes by by the power of your spirit for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to acknowledge the Spirit's influence on our prayers. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray all the time. Pray in the Spirit. And then pray for others. Notice the last phrase of verse 18. See it there? Petition for all the saints. And remember that word petition is the specific request. And notice it's an all-inclusive invitation for all the saints, not just for some, but for all. As we become aware of a fellow believer's need, one of the first things that we should do is pray. And praying for others will preserve and promote confidence and courage on the spiritual battlefield. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray all the time. Pray in the Spirit. Pray for others. And then, finally, and this might be the most difficult, ask others to pray for you. Look at the first phrase of verse 19. And pray on my behalf. Which do you find easier? Praying for someone else or asking someone to pray for you? And this is the great Apostle Paul writing here. The one who could boast of an unmatched Jewish pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the law of Pharisee. In Judaism, he would have been considered the elite of the elite. The one who had a personal encounter with the risen Jesus on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. And it changed his life. The one who, whom Jesus himself commissioned to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And the definite article is there. The Apostle to the Gentiles. A New Testament church planter exceptional. And responsible for the one who was responsible for writing almost probably over half of our New Testament books found in our Bibles today. And yet here at the end of his letter to the Ephesians, we find him asking for prayer on his behalf. 
Paul spent three years of his life teaching these people. And now he sits in a Roman prison, or at least under house arrest, with a Roman guard standing watch. Without him, where would the Ephesians be? Beloved, we never will outgrow the need for God's people to be praying for us. Paul asks for three things. Number one, the ability to speak the right words at the right time. Timely and appropriate words. Look at it in verse 19. That utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Secondly, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Remember, mystery is something that was hidden in Old Testament times, comes to light in New Testament times. This is the gospel that we share. That he wants boldness. The great Apostle Paul is asking, give me bold, pray that God would give me boldness to proclaim the gospel. And then finally, the ability to fulfill his God-given responsibilities. Look at the end of verse 20. That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly, there it is again, as I ought to speak. It's my duty. I have a responsibility. And Paul was willing to accept that, but he needed God's people to pray with him in the accomplishment of that purpose. Ask others to pray for you. It will preserve your confidence and courage on the battlefield. Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray all the time. Pray in the Spirit. Pray for others and ask others to pray for you. Prayerfulness will help us to establish and maintain a good grip on the confidence and courage while, on this, while standing firm on the spiritual battlefield. Be prayerful. Disposition number two, be alert. Look at the end of verse 18 again. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So with alertness, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit going to require perseverance and petition. Specific prayer requests for all saints. You are praying for me and I am praying for you. And we will persevere. If we are not doing these things, we will be undermining our own confidence and courage. Nehemiah had just returned to the city of Jerusalem from Babylonian captivity. And um, he was there to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Listen as I read from Nehemiah chapter 4. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half the men worked 
while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding their weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. See the picture? Prayer and alertness. They finished rebuilding the wall in just 52 days. The city was secure. Beloved, with prayerfulness and alertness, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With an awareness, staying informed, being watchful, not getting caught by surprise, and prayerfully supporting one another, All that will promote and preserve our courage on the spiritual battlefield. Standing firm on the spiritual battlefield. Be prayerful and alert. And this week, as we ponder this passage of Scripture, these three short verses, I want us to preserve and promote our confidence and courage on the battlefield. By number one, here's some suggestions. Take the initiative early this week to speak with a fellow believer and ask one question, how can I support you in prayer this week? And secondly, well, maybe just don't ask it, but actually pray it. Get the request and then commit yourself to praying for them. And if you're not... uh, accustomed to that, it would be good to write down your prayer that you're going to pray for them and then pray it each day and then ask them in return, would you mind praying for me that I would and you fill in the blank? Secondly, pray for our church family. I have three requests that I pray on a regular basis for the Rock Community Church. Number one, that we would become the equipping center that God has called us to become. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that we would become an equipping center. Number two, that we would be united and become an answer to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, that they may be perfect in unity so that the world may believe that you sent me And you love them even as you love me. And thirdly, that we would be aligned. Being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Philippians 2, verse 2. So there you have it. Three prayer requests every day this week for our church family. Become the equipping center for God's people that he's called us to be. Become united. And thirdly, to have be aligned, have the same goals in mind, headed in the same direction. Let's pray together. Again, Father, we want to acknowledge you as the God of heaven's armies. Thank you for this reminder of the spiritual battlefield, for all of your provisions, 
and that we are on the winning side. Give us courage and strength. Keep us from fear and discouragement. And may we be found faithful in fulfilling our responsibilities so that that power of your spirit will be evident in each of our lives, that we would have courage and confidence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.